we we don't leave people when they're struggling by themselves. For me, the conversation was was very simple. It was, I think you can do better, and I think. Um, oh, sorry. No, that's all right. Yeah. Still moving. Um, Welcome to the third episode of the Jenny podcast, the entrepreneurial mindset. My name is Vabe. And my name's Edward. Today we have an especially exciting guest for everyone, and it is Jack Lung, um, the previous CEO of Generation Entrepreneur for the past five years and currently works within corporate development and ventures for Finder. Welcome aboard, Jack. Pleasure to be here. Mm. First off, Jack, tell us a bit about yourself. Just yeah, cool. Yeah, a little bit of context. <laughs> yeah, I'm. Um, so I currently work in corporate development and ventures for Finder.com. It's a financial comparison business. Um, we're in 160 countries around the world. Basically, you go on Finder.com and you can see, uh, compare all of your financial product needs. And so we're talking about things like credit cards, home loans, savings accounts, um, any financial decision that um, an individual has to has to make. We have content online that allows you to search and compare. And so. We make money when we help consumers make decisions. And so when you click on a Westpac credit card and you believe that's the best one, we make money from Westpac uh, for getting their content to users. Um, so part of my mandate within the business is about uh, mergers and acquisitions. And so it's about buying different companies that allow us to grow quicker. But previously to that, I was the CEO of Generation Entrepreneur, obviously um, special place that I spent a large amount of my adult life in. Um, and yeah, I went to UNSW for business. And so that's kind of where the fascination with um, entrepreneurship, um, just wider uh, business enterprise around the, around the world started from. Right, yeah. And uh, what about some of the things outside of work and you know your business and school related stuff? Like mm. what are the sort of the things that you enjoy? Like let's say as a hobby. Oh. I'm um I'm a big sports guy and so mm. I've I've played I played soccer since I was five or six and so um, started very young. My my dad was a was a big football fan and so I think I inherited those genes from him. Um, but football yeah, or soccer, soccer, soccer. Sorry, yes, yes, yes. Uh, <laughs> soccer in Australia. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah uh, that's been uh, watching games when. When I was young, I used to play so much. Um, ended up coaching for a few years as well um, for under-12s, under-13s at Sydney FC. And so it was a very special experience, yeah. Right. Yeah, that's good stuff. Um, and so you did end up mentioning that, you know, and that we talked about that you were the CEO of Jenny for the past five years, which is mm. obviously no little time of someone's life, especially for people as young as us. Um, so how has your time at Jenny shaped you to become the person you are now since like mm. you know five years ago from when you just began um to where you're at now uh, was it like the the friends that you met or was oh, it the man. skills that you gained like um how has that transformation process been for you yeah i think when i first i first joined the partnerships team back in 2016 so i was in first year um i had met victor the original co-founder of of the business um and it was just it, it was just a fascinating experience talking to him um, about business and what Generation Entrepreneur was doing. I never thought about education as a path that, or working in this industry, a path that I wanted to pursue, but 
I was just so excited to have a bunch of um, similar people who, who just wanted to build something and, and, and make a difference in the world. And so um, I came in actually very young. Um, yeah, I was 18 at that time, ended up uh, joining the leadership team a few months later and became CEO in 2017. Uh, but overall, I think the two most important things about Generation Entrepreneur has always been about impact on students, um, seeing what all the work that we do, what it means to these young people, but also for teachers and parents as well. Um, that's one of the biggest things that you see very upfront when you work in a business like ours. It's not just about the impact that you make on a student, but it also is so many people trying to support these young people as well. And being able to play a role um, in that process is such a unique opportunity, especially for someone at, at our age. Uh, but the second part is also about, yeah, I've, um, I've, I've loved working with the team. Like we, we grew up together. And so when I first joined in 2016, it was the same team that we were first fresh recruits and then we became leadership team together. When I took over the organization, that was the core group of people who um, we took on the world. That was it. And so, oh man, just memories. Yeah, mm. I absolutely love it. Right, yeah, it's great stuff. Um, since you were the CEO of Jenny, um, what, is, what does a great leader look like to you? Um, who are some of your favorite leaders? I know mm. you've met Obama. <laughs> that way, really? Yeah, wait. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I feel like that's a, um, that's a controversial way of phrasing it. I've heard from, from, from the people that I've, uh, I've told. Uh, it, was, it was like a meet and greet. And so yeah. it, it wasn't like we actually met and had a coffee or something like that. Um, like peer to peer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, um, yeah, me, me and my best friend, Barack. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, we're on a first, As you do. We're on a first name basis. Right, um, right, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there we go. Applause for Barack. Shout outs if you're listening. <laughs> Mr. Obama. Um, no, I think oh, leadership is such a funny thing, especially it, it, it's always been very weird talking about leadership coming from a young person um when you're at our age uh, the ability to lead is often written down mainly because we we don't know anything uh there is not enough experience for people to actually believe in you um, the decision making that you you make is not as good as someone who's had more experience and so it's, it's always been fascinating for me if i would answer that question i think i index on the ability of, actually, let me take, take a step back. And I, I think, when I think about good football players, the mm. best for the best team members, they join a team, and not only do they perform well, but they push their team to perform well as well. Mm -hmm. um, that is a force multiplier of, of success. Um, your ability to come into a group situation and not only perform at your peak, but also be able to challenge and support your team to perform at their best is actually the biggest indicator of success for a team. And so leadership, I think to me, is more about the personal relationships that you have with your team members. And um, business is, is, a, is a funny topic. When, when I work at Finder, I think about my peers. At a fundamental level, these are my peers and my friends, but they're actually, we're part of a team and our core outcome is to succeed together. And so what that means is my job is to play at my best, but then also to make sure that the people that I'm working with are at their best as well. And yeah, so sure. 
Um, that leadership is, I think those characteristics are important. Yeah. Right. Would you, like, you also touched on, like, that bit about, like, especially your relationships and how you're building up, mm. not just yourself, but mm. around others. Mm. Um, would you say that, like, that leadership also comes in many different forms? Mm. Or do you think there's, like, an ideal archetype for it? Because I, I remember mm. we were talking about this earlier mm. with... Um, the Last Dance, right? Yes. Michael Jordan. Many would say, uh, I think, undoubtedly the greatest yes. basketball player of all time. Yes. But during that documentary, I think many players brought up the fact that you know he was relentless. Oh, um, he came off as an asshole a lot of the time. <laughs> he's right? an intense he's, dude, man. He's, he's yeah. very intense. Oh god, yeah. And so, like, and I know that he didn't have the greatest relationship with uh, yeah. even some of his own teammates as well. Mm, mm. Um, so. Do you think something about that, like, oh, maybe Michael Jordan wasn't the greatest leader mm -hmm. or like, or that, you know, there are differences to what yeah. could be, a, or what defines a great leader? Oh, that's great. Yeah. I, I think Jordan's a, Jordan's a very special example. The, the actual top, top level answer I think is there, there's no such thing as a perfect ar archetype of a leader. I think there are fundamental qualities that you need to have. But every I think leadership is dependent on the individuality of people. Us three, we are very different people. We come from different places, different backgrounds. The values we hold are very different. I think fundamentally your ability to come back to my earlier point, be able to understand who you are and then be able to understand your peers and what motivates them or what they care about and be able to work on collective goals together. That is, that, that's key. I think if we talk about Jordan in particular, I, he's fascinating because in sports, it's all about competition. I'm not a big basketball guy, but Jordan is like... I am a big basketball oh, guy. Oh, yeah. so I'm very, very <laughs> yeah. curious to what, what you said. Because <laughs> I have um, very interesting views. Yeah, as well. yeah, yeah I'm keen. Continue, yeah. yeah, there's... um, what? Why do you pick Jordan? Jordan is... You know when you pick Jordan on your team, you know that he's going to play and he's going to play hard. He, he's going to... Um, He's gonna take on players. He's confident. He want he he wants to win. He's there to win, and you know what you're getting with him. There are unsavory factors for people that might uh, turn turn people off, but I think you know what you're getting with Jordan, and you know why why what um, what motivates him. And so I like that about him. It's you can see it's very much driven by where he's come from and who he is. It is such uniquely an MJ type of persona that he has that you can't help but respect that because it brings the best out of himself and it brings the best out of his team. And I think that is the fundamental foundational layer of a good leader. And then of course you build upon those things. Um, for example, for me, I'm, I'm very, I, I think if, if I were to characterize my biggest um, strength I, as a leader, it is the connection that I have with my team and just how much the success of my team means to me, not only on a professional manner, but also just personally as well. Uh, it's It comes from where where I've grown up and who I am. That might be different from someone like MJ. Uh, mm. He likes to get people playing at their best all the time. And that's what made him successful. And so I'm a very different person from MJ. So that's, um I think it's, it's interesting for, for us to consider that. I think it, it just goes to highlight that, yes, that there are, like you said, there isn't that perfect archetype, but that in some ways, 
um, you know, you and MJ are similar in that umbrella of leadership that mm. you ultimately not only do you want to win, but mm. you know, he he got angry at his teammates because he expects yeah. the best out of them. Yeah. You know, if they miss that game winning shot, yeah. he will be mad at them because he expects them and he knows that they should normally be able to make that shot. Mm. Um and I think similar to you, obviously maybe not as aggressive <laughs> or to the point, mm. but maybe but you expect the best out of um mm. your your teammates as well. And I think um I remember in our first podcast actually with Esmond, he touched on this where he wasn't doing too hot here at Jenny and you actually sat down with him mm. and, and had a talk with him. Um and so um, yeah, what was going through your mind at the time? Like, you know, from being a leader and having mm. to um, have that sort of talk with someone that, you know, you care about as not only as a team member, but as mm. a friend as well. Yeah, that was a, um, that was a, that was a tough time. I think I must've been, must've been 19 at the time, actually. Mm. Um, Esmond... Actually, I, I was probably around 20, and as when I was 19, um, it was the first year that I was CEO. And at that age, I think there were a lot of things that you don't know about yourself in terms of how you deal with conflict, how you deal with just expressing your feelings as well. Um, I think at that time it was... When, when you come in as... When a young person is put into a leadership position, or this is true for uh, tech entrepreneurs, uh, folks who drop out of drop out of school to run a technology business, or whatever they're doing, when, when you're given that opportunity, the only thing you know are principles, principles of what makes good business, principles of what makes a good leader, because there is no lived experience. Um, you probably have not had as impactful of a leadership position or um, as a business owner as you will have as the leader of a business mm. and so in this situation I didn't know the best way to deal with this um, I think if I were to characterize Esmond at that time understanding the number one thing that I thought about first was uh, you try so hard to understand people and for Esmond himself he was in first year and he was trying to figure out a lot of things about himself, especially coming from uh, a very successful selective school, coming in uh, into one of the most prestigious degrees in Australia. He spent a lot of his time trying to figure out who he was. And I think for me, that time allocation towards everything else, there was fundamentally just not enough done for the organization. Um, what I knew at the time was there are minimal ex minimum expectations of people that I have, and that is only about how hard you work. Um, it's hard to make an argument about quality of work, especially at our age, because we are trying so hard to figure things out. Um, but all I want from our team, the only principle that I really stuck to at that time was and this was the same principle that I had for myself. I didn't know what it was like to be a good CEO or a good leader. Um, but I knew that I would spend as much time as I could trying to figure that out. Mm. Um, and in that situation, I just didn't see that with Esmond. 
to also counter counteract that as well, I, I also knew how much the organization meant to him um, and, 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 and how much he cared about not only the students that we work with, but also the team. It was actually really funny when I first came, the, there's an interesting thought about dynamics with people as well. So when I first came in the organization 2016, I was in first year, this was September 2016. Um, I was in the partnerships team and Esme was, was recruited alongside me. And so um, we go way back. Um, I think that connection so early as well, coming from shared stories, helped stabilize this situation as well, that we were the same people that joined at the same time in 2016. Two years on when I became CEO, actually sorry, 2016 September, we joined partnerships team. January 2017, we were both pro promoted to uh, uh, partnership directors. And so I have worked with him for a long time. Um, I know who, who he is. Um, and so January, we got inducted as the leadership team together and July, I became CEO. And so you can kind of see the rapidly changing dynamics. Well, what was really important to me, especially throughout this whole process was I wasn't talking to um, someone who reported to me, but also my friend who I've seen grow up as well. And so in, in the whole situation, you can't, you can't simply look at the situation as someone is not performing as they should, but it is a friend that you've called a friend for so long. And mm -hmm. so in the whole situation, it's, it is such a difficult balance. Flash forward to when we did have that conversation, um, it was a few months of, I think Esmond was still, I think he, he, he must have been, this was first year, um, he was doing a whole bunch of other university extracurricular activities, um, and there just wasn't enough outcomes being met. Um, despite my friendship and how much love I had for him and I know that he had for me, there was, he and I saw very eye to eye on what it meant to be a part of this organization. And that was the main thing I talked to him about. It was, for my position, I knew what this all meant to him. I wanted to remind him that the obligation that, um, the, the obligation that he felt for the organization that he was not meeting them, but I knew that his aspirations were, were more than that. And so that was a simple conversation for me. I think I, I think about that moment a lot and I think Esmond does as well. Um, the, the principle that I knew back then was we don't, we, we don't leave people when they're struggling by themselves. For me, the conversation was, was very simple. It was, I think you can do better. And I think, um, oh, sorry. No, that's all right. Um, and I know that he wanted to do more as well. So it was just a simple conversation of what are we going to do about this? It's either, to me, business is, is, is very simple. Um, it's, we're here to play and we're here to win. Um, if we can't do it together, that's fine. That doesn't mean that we're n not any less friends for each other. Um, and I think it was just really important to have that conversation. And so I didn't know going in what, what the right approach was. Uh, it was the first time that I really had that conversation. I think you, you grow up very quickly in those situations, I think. Mm. Um, so yeah, it was an interesting time. Yeah. Especially as a young 19 year old. You know. Yeah. As and I were, yeah. 
We can, yeah. we can take a second. No, 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 no. It, it's all good. Yeah, I, I think um, I'm sure he, he found that moment very difficult as well. Because when you're the whole, what I think about number one is about my position and then also his position as well. And it's like, it must have been difficult for him to hear a friend have to call him out on some things that were happening. Um, but I also knew that there was only a positive reaction out of it. Um, I was not there to uh, push him down and to criticize, but it was actually about um, getting to a better place together. I think that's really important. Yeah. yeah. That was quite outcome. I think, I think that's, I think you, what you touched on that it was a very positive thing because mm. I think there's, um, I think there's, uh, moments right moments in our lives that we can like really look back to and i know that um for esmond that's a particularly even though it was difficult i think he still holds it with a lot of pride mm -hmm. that it was a moment for him uh, he said it himself it was a wake-up call um that he needs to you know sort himself out and um, the way that he is now, I think a lot of that was because of that moment. It's definitely um, catalyzed by that. Yeah, exactly. And there's, there's, I hear of so many similar moments within Jenny. I remember, um, the last I-48 that I was at, um, Ivy talked about her moment and what drew her to Jenny, mm -hmm. which was, um, the, she was at an event and, uh, one of the students, um, gave her a handwritten letter which said, thank you for believing in me, um, which um, is just beautiful. Like it, yeah. it, it makes me, and I think we've all at least experienced some kind of moment that, um, you know, has really attached us to this organization. Which is, uh, yeah, I actually remember that. I, I, there was, um, I think this was at Dollar Chill. Um, that was probably, I think, 20. 2019 there was um yeah we had oh it was wild there was like <laughs> seven eight of us it was like 160 kids there man it was wow it was it was, was a lot of students um but yeah there's those moments i i think remind you of the the responsibility that you have as well um i think about that a, a lot from the organization's perspective my role was not to simply be the face or to lead but to ensure that the responsibility that students who came to our programs teachers who've invited us our folks who'd sponsor our program that we met those responsibilities um because at, at its core gen generational entrepreneur has a right to exist we have our there's a unique place especially in the New South Wales education system where there's a need here. Um, and our crew is just uniquely positioned for it. And there's, that is very special type of opportunity, especially given to someone at our age as well, yeah. Were there, were there ever times that you doubted yourself in your position when you were leading? Oh, all the time. I. I think there's the actual answers all, all the time. I, I I think what makes it's hard, especially at our age, to feel certain about 
our abilities. Yeah. But I think one of the biggest factors which define me is I believe in myself first um, before anyone else would or should. I think for myself, I think um, you have to believe that not only, I think I, I, there were so many moments that you feel like you don't know what you're doing, you don't know what the answer is, but also I think I knew that eventually I'd figure it out. I, I, I back myself to be able to um, learn and, and, and to be able to bounce back. I think that I think resiliency at our age is the most important thing because the rate of our improvement is going to be correlated to our ability to go into very new and complex situations. The more we do that, the more you improve, but also the higher chance of failure and higher chance that you probably, uh, you probably mess up, but that is congruent to improvement. And there were so many times where, especially at our age, um, I, remember, I remember in 2018. So I got a call from some friends from the Sydney School of Entrepreneurship, shout outs. Mm-hmm. Um, this was January in issue 48 uh, at Tank Street Labs in the Sydney Startup Hub. Um, it was a Saturday morning. I got a call from a contact from Sydney School of Entrepreneurship who told me that the Department of Education was looking for uh, a high school entrepreneurship program for that year. Um, Sydney School of Entrepreneurship did not at that time uh, focus on high school education. They focused more on offering tertiary programs for um, folks um, in TAFE uh, or just the or just the university path. And so they referred they referred uh, the contacts there to me. Um, and I just remember thinking, this is an opportunity right here. Um, I had never gone in touch with someone from the Department of Education before. If you're, look, if you're talking about a big fish to fry for our type of organization, the government is key. Um, especially when you look at how we run our programs, our uh, funding is a hard issue for public schools, but we know that public schools need us. And so our number one target that year was to work with the Department of Education. And, and it was just so funny to have that moment just come come to us like that. Um, but I just remember going in and being very nervous. Mm. Um, I was downstairs at the Department of Education at that time. That building was at Darlinghurst, right opposite Hyde Park. And I went there by myself. Um, and, as, and especially for our type of age group, I think um, you start overthinking things like, oh man, what if they ask me a really hard question? I don't know how to answer. This ain't gonna look good for us. Um, but actually, I, I remember just telling myself to relax and to um, take that moment and the opportunity ahead of me to try my best. Mm. That was it. And so I went in and I just remember being all over the place. There, um, there were two lovely, lovely ladies from the Department of Education who were looking for an entrepreneurship program. Um, they had never heard about Jenny before. And I just remember describing what I felt for the organization and the impact that we made the schools that we worked with. Um, and I actually remember the most important thing to me was after about five, 10 minutes, I just showed them the video that we made for January 48, the one in 28, um, that was 2018. Um, they absolutely loved it. That was a great video. Yeah, it's a great video. Um, it was, it just encapsulated so much of what we did just visually. It was just perfect. Um, and I just remember them looking at it and being like, that's amazing. We need that. Um, yeah, that was that was fascinating, and so 
spoilers for for the people at home but <laughs> we we ended up closing that deal that year um we ran 22 programs wow. um oh no sorry this is 2019 we ran 22 programs this was in 20 so what the department of education wanted was an incubated incubator program so they wanted to for us to spend three months working with 10 student teams um and help them build their business and so mm-hmm. what what we did that year was open up applications to students across New South Wales um, to apply for our program, um, and it was amazing. Yeah, we had we had just so many mentors come in, and just the whole community supported what what we were doing. At the end of um, at the final presentation evening as well, we had the Minister for Education come in, give a speech as well, and it was just a it was magical. Yeah, it was. Um, yeah, that's that's actually amazing and i think it's summed up by uh like regret doing rather than not having regret not done it Mm. right Mm. um and the fact that you actually jumped into that is amazing so we're sort of gonna take a slight shift in uh our topics and so before we were doing a lot of the internal stuff and you know your personal journey along jenny um and we kind of want to expand that outwards now and uh look a bit more into your professional sort of life um you did touch up on it at the start but um so you did say that you were currently working at finder in the corporate development and ventures sector And so I'll be honest, when I first heard this, <laughs> to me, it just sounded like a bunch of corporate jargon. Oh, like yeah. I just, yeah, I just, fair. I had no idea like what someone in that sector would yeah. even do. Yeah. Um, so what does your job mainly entail? Like what yeah. does a day-to-day sort of look like? Yeah. Um, and how do you find your way towards Finder from yeah, Jenny? Yeah. yeah. So like, was it, um, you know, just a some friend referred you or yeah. did you have to work your way up? Yeah, and yeah. So yeah, how was that journey along there? Yeah, um, I'll start with the first part. So corporate development and ventures is, I mean, Fred and I, so Fred Shabesta is one of the CEOs at Finder. Uh, we just created the function. Um, so, but there is long history with the corporate development function. Historically in all the Fortune 500s, well, any big business globally, um, there are particular people responsible for mergers and acquisitions. And so to define mergers and acquisitions or M&A, when, think about it like this, you both are CEOs of a good business. It's probably doing pretty well, 100, 500, 1,000, 10,000 people. Let's say on a yearly basis, you make a billion dollars US. Fuck, cheering. Cheering. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Just, just cheering for that. Just a small loan. Yeah, yeah, small loan <laughs> of a billion bucks. Um, uh, on a yearly basis, you might spend, let's say, five hundred million dollars. What that means is that at the end of the day, part of that, the rest of that money is profit. That gets taxed by the government, and you're left with a bunch of cash to be reinvested. The job of the CEO is to figure out where do I put my money that allows me to grow my business faster. So in the particular situation I just gave you, let's say the corporate tax rate is like 25%. So at, at the end of the day, you probably have um, around $400, $400 million left. Um, actually, it's more like 375 but we'll talk about that later. Yeah, that's um, not much from one bill, is it? Yeah, that's not that much in profit. Million. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, the real question for CEOs is where does this money go? You can hold it as cash. You put it in a few big savings accounts. You might invest it in... Stocks, bonds, 
whatever it might be. For example, Apple have a few billion dollars in cash on their balance sheet, but also have a whole bunch of that in public traded equities. So that's like stocks, right? Mm -hmm. So they might own things like um, Wells Fargo, the big bank in the US, a whole bunch of series of stocks to make sure that the money that they're parking and they're not using is still making money, mm -hmm. right? When you're a big business, you are essentially, you become an investor. That's how Fred and I think about it. Your job is to figure out now with the money that I've made, where do I put it so that the business keeps growing? So you could put it aside, you could invest it, you could reinvest it into um, the company. And so that would involve things like hiring more people, opening up a new office. Um, the, the final part of this option is actually about mergers and acquisitions. What that means is buying different companies that allow us to grow faster. So that might be in the sense of buying revenue. So for example, company A makes a billion dollars. They buy another company that's making a hundred million dollars and you buy that company and put that in your company. So together yeah. you get to a $1.1 billion. And so that's a 10% growth rate on, on, your, on your business. You could also buy, for example, um, and so this happens all the time yeah, it does, in, yeah. in financial news. Microsoft buys this product. Apple is buying this hardware business. Um, Apple buys Beats. Apple buys Beats. buys Oculus. Yeah, yeah, Instagram, WhatsApp. There's a whole series of transactions that you realize that these assets are just moving around. And there's a very specific role in business that allows those assets to be allocated and to be acquired. And that is mergers and acquisitions on for, for for a company my job at finder is to do two things um, the history of finder comes from and so for those of you who don't like, who don't know what, what finder is it's a financial comparison business it started off in 2005 essentially you go on finder.com finder.com.au yeah you can compare credit cards personal loans home loans or your we think about it as uh, personal finance decisions and so whatever you need to make a personal finance decision on where to open a bank account whatever it might be you can go and find that and we can help you um, compare. Second part of the business is our technology business. And so that is the Finder app that we launched in March of 2020. And it's essentially a personal finance uh, management app. So you go on there and it analyzes your spending, checks your credit score, helps you apply for more products. We actually, a few weeks ago, launched Bitcoin trading and Ethereum trading on there as well. And so- On Finder? On the Finder app itself. Oh yes. Yeah, so you can jump on there and you can start depositing accounts. You can get that done within magical, a magical money. money. <laughs> we love money. Um, and you can deposit an account, uh, money into the Finder app and you can make Bitcoin and Ethereum trading. Okay. That's a whole other story, but we launched that in like a few weeks. It's crazy. Um, wow. And so my job in this situation is, you can kind of see we, we're coming from a publishing editorial business where we're publishing a lot of content online, uh, best credit cards, best home loans, best uh, best interest-free uh, credit cards. And in that situation, that's one side of the business, but we are evolving into a financial technology business. So we're thinking about things like, for example, Robinhood in the US is just a fascinating business to follow because um, we're talking about a pure app play. And so you go on your phone and you can make trades. Like that's incredible. Um, any retail investor can do it. And we, we want to be part of that movement. And it makes sense for us because we our brand is so focused on financial decision-making that it just makes sense for us to go yeah. into product and engineering as well. And so my job in this situation is to, to, is, the, is to do two things. 
number one, our core business is about comparison. And so what that means is how do we make sure that we get more content to more people? So that means buying different companies that, for example, might specialize in credit card content in Australia and buying their content and putting it on Finder. Mm -hmm. So essentially, you're trying to consolidate content on credit cards in Australia. So what that means is if you go on Finder, you'll be able to find these different products, but you might also go on another website run by another part of our team who might specialize in travel credit cards or something. Yeah. And you might go there for some content as well. So we look at those targets and we try to figure out how do we continue on our mission of empowering more people making financial decisions by uh, building more content, getting more useful information out there. The second part about what the strategy of the business is that transformation into product and engineering. And so my job is to help acquire different um, financial technology apps and products that allow us to build our portfolio of um, financial technology products. And so for example, Robinhood is a great example. Um, our Finder app is of course uh, available in Australia. Um, but where I spend a lot of my time thinking about where personal finance is going and where and how Finder can play a, a, a bigger role in that situation. And so overall, if I come back to the actual question, the, the core outcome is how do I, how do I help our global leadership team find acquisition targets so that we get a good return on the money that we have? So if I look at a business and we can say, we can get a product faster to market, if we buy this investing product, for example, in Australia, and we buy it, instead of taking nine to 12 months to build something, mm. is it better to spend money on this product and just get it in-house quick? Or would it be better to just build it and take our time? So that's a kind of conventional decision-making that we're thinking about just on a day-to-day. -day. Um, on a day-to-day -day basis, uh, my job is a lot of meetings. Um, the corporate development role is very much a strategy role supporting the global leadership. And so mm. I work with senior leaders in Australian business and the US business, our UK business. Um, my job is to understand where we are at and then to give, an, give a recommendation on how potential targets can help accelerate um, that process of uh, the global corporate strategy. Um, and our corporate strategy is, is quite simple. It's how do we continue uh, to help more people, which means to own more market share and then secondly, how do we continue transforming into a product engineering driven business? And so that's the kind of two um, sides of our corporate strategy that I look after. And so that's all I spend my time thinking about. So it's a lot of meetings internally, meeting with potential partners, targets, and yeah, spending a lot of time just trying to um, provide the right thinking for global leadership. Have you made any acquisitions in your role yet? Yeah, so two deals. So I joined in September last year, right in the middle of COVID. Um, Yes, spice, spicy. Um, so we bought a business in Australia. I can't disclose who it was, but it was uh, it was the biggest deal that that we've done for the business, which, which is massive. Um, in but it's in the comparison publishing space, and so um, comparethemarket.com. Oh my god, that's so spicy! <laughs> um, compare the market's like one of our key competitors, um, mm. uh, and then we close another deal in April. So. That's publicly available. GoBear.com was a Southeast Asian comparison player. They were probably number three, number four in the market. And so um, 
they were struggling financially and, and we had the opportunity to make sure that some of the content they've, that they've created, all the work that they, they put into the business since 2015 um, lived on. And so mm -hmm. for us, we closed that deal and, and that was massive. Um, when you spend time on these deals, it takes two to three months to close some of the gap. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Once it gets started. And so we started that, that deal in, that, that closed in December, probably started that process in when I first started. So it was like three months to get that deal done. We first got in touch with the crew from GoBear probably in January as well. And so we closed in April, so another three months there. And so a lot of my job is to, you can imagine, uh, you're yeah. looking at a company, you need to figure it out. How does it make money? Why is it successful? Why hasn't it or why has it not been successful? What is the best way for us to work with this target? It could be acquiring whole business. It could be acquiring parts of the business. So there's a whole series of decisions that you have to be able to make. Um, my job is to do as much background as I can and contextualize it for our global leadership for them to say, this is the best way, Jack. This is how we should do it. Um, and then my job is to help structure the execution properly. I can, I can see why acquiring a business is very beneficial for Finder. Mm. Have you ever approached a business that they say, we don't, like they don't want to be acquired. Oh, absolutely. There's um. Uh, my job is very much sales driven as well. It's about mm, yeah, it would be when you're talking about a merger and acquisition. Let let's talk about um, a recent deal. Hmm. For example, let's talk about Facebook and Instagram. Yeah. So, I think that's a deal that I think a lot of people are familiar with. At first, when Facebook approached Instagram to uh, to purchase the app. Um, Instagram went interested because they were growing so fast. Within, I think, the first few months, they had tens of millions of users already. Um, it was actually really interesting. This is just a very specific dynamic in that transaction. Um, I was actually reading this on, on Twitter. Um, there's this new Twitter profile that, um, that shares some of, the, uh, some of the emails that were sent from Mark Zuckerberg talking about the actual Instagram acquisition. So basically, when Instagram was acquired, um, Mark was really long on the business. He was like, we need to buy Instagram right now. This is like, we are going to be disrupted very quickly. The Instagram founders didn't actually want to sell. They're like, why do I need you guys? Um, and so I hear that a lot of why do we need Finder? What is Finder? In Australia, we have a very unique advantage as opposed to the work that I do for Finder US. In Australia, Finder is a very well-known brand. We are market leading. Um, and so when, when people think about Finder, they, they think about the jingle, they think about, um, so, uh, most Australians have used finder.com.au before. And so when I or Chris, the Australian CEO, knocks on someone's door, we get a good answer. They say, it'd be good to chat, let's talk. Um, but in the US, it's very different. We are no namers over there. I'm I'm very uh, upfront. <laughs> what I was gonna play was <laughs> what a banger. <laughs> yeah, that that's the famous jingle. Uh, yeah, uh, but but in the U.S. we're no namers, and so when I approach someone, they're probably like, I don't even know what Finder.com is, mm. and so who are you? In the whole Facebook, Instagram situation, again, it, it, it's an example of another, every deal is very different. In that transaction in particular, 
Instagram phone is weren't selling. There's actually very interesting, but what happened was that that deal obviously went through and Mark actually, um, in the email that he sent to uh, the chief strategy officer or the head of corp dev, the head of M&A, who, whoever it was, um, Mark says, we should offer them an amount that they can't turn down. <laughs> and so you, you get to see how even if they might not be keen, there's ways of making it work, especially in Facebook situation where they just have so much capital to yeah. um, spend. And so the founders were like, I we're not even making any money on this yet. Yeah. And you're going to pay me this this figure. And so that's a, that's just a funny example. And so for, for, for me, my job is also when when i come to you and i say i like to buy your business or to talk about buying your business it's actually kind of scary because we are most likely competing already that's why i want to buy it and so your thought process is, is usually going to be i can't keep my enemies that close but my job is to be convincing and so you you, you don't approach saying let's talk about acquiring your business i for me it's actually just about talking mm. let's talk uh, I love to share about what we're thinking about, um, what we're seeing, and perhaps there's ways for both of us to grow together. You can see how that position is much more friendly than your competitor saying, I'm going to buy you out. Yeah, for sure. Um, do, you, yeah. Do, you, do you have any key like sales tips that are good to approach any any situation? Yeah, the, 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 we were talking about, Jenny, before, the same values. I... In my view, business is very simple. I, I, I see my role as being very simple as well. It is simply, if there are outcomes to be reached together, we should reach them. If there are not, let's move on. In this situation, it's this deal works and you should do it or it just doesn't. And so my job is very simple. It's I need to understand the mindset of the founder, obviously coming from leading Jenny as well. That has helped me a lot in terms of thinking about as a business owner, what, what am I thinking about for the business? A lot of these times, it's actually quite interesting. When we approach people, it's um, people talk about legacy a lot. Actually, about their own uh, their own legacy. For some people, they've spent a similar amount of time to find on their business. We're talking about like 10, 15 years of your life. Some of them might be retiring or just want to move on, and they want to make sure that the business, um, the the purchaser who's coming in and trying to buy it, respects that. And so that has been a fascinating, motivating factor that I didn't realize, but it makes so much sense. I mean, I thought about the same thing when we were choosing the next CEO for, for Gen E. It was, man, not only did I, alongside my leadership team and the whole organization and all the supporters, spend so much time on building this business, we need to make sure that the next person respects it and is committed to that journey. And so that has been very helpful. You think about, if I were to encapsulate like a tip, you're talking about having empathy right as cliche as it sounds life is so much about the relationships that you have um, and understanding where people are coming from and so what made me effective as a leader here makes me effective at finder in this mergers and acquisitions role because i've always thought about people and what drove them and what they cared about and making sure that they had good outcomes for themselves as well that they're that they're taken care of it's the same thing at finder except I think about these targets as much as they can be classified as targets. I see them as team members as well. It's like, and you can kind of see how that positioning changes how you think about what I do because it's instead of finder acquires a business, it's actually we're going on this journey together. 
I think that redefines it for people as well. When we looked at the GoBear deal itself, um, the management team had to let go 150 people in closing down the business. So sorry, in January, they had cash flow issues. And so they went into um, liquidation basically. They had to close down the whole shop. And so they had 160 people on their payroll. When you tell 150, 60 people that they don't have a job anymore, yeah. it's a tough situation. And so for us, it was actually really interesting because you think about the opportunity for other investors to buy up the business. I think we were hearing the word on the street was people were just coming in and throwing ridiculous offers at the management team. They were just like, you guys are going bankrupt. I'm gonna give you a buck, and hand over everything you have. For us, we went in saying, well, actually we see value and the assets that you have. We're very respectful of all that you've done so far. We're not here to lowball you. This is the best offer that we can do. This is truthfully the best offer we can do. And so this is where we want to continue your legacy that you've built for the business and make sure that all the hard work that you've put in continues on. And we were chosen as the right business partners for them in being acquired because we had respect and empathy for who they were and that goes back to fred and frank so they're the two global co-founders of of the business and i mean they started their business when they were 23 24. they knew the struggle they knew how hard it was already and so whenever i spoke to frank his number one thing to me was we need to make sure that we are approaching with respect and love for what they've done because if we were in their positions we would want to feel the same and it was just such an easy alignment for how I thought about things that it just made all the sense in the world. It made that deal much easier. And it also helped us win. Um, they chose us for a reason and it was because we treated them differently than other people. And that is, again, just a simple part of business. It's, it's the same thing that we thought about at Jenny. We don't do things purely for the money, but it is about, number one, what you think you think about is what's the outcome that we're delivering and how do we help more people? And then we can talk about how this business grows and we talk about how you make money. Once you do the first thing, everyone, everything else will fall into place as well. So, that's yeah, that's that's amazing to hear that the fact that the business, I guess, like philosophy was still able to, um, still have a sense of humanity behind it because mm. I think businesses Honestly. often, especially very big corporations, get mm. the the stereotype that they're very cutthroat. And yeah. don't get me wrong, I th I do believe that there is a lot there, but the fact that Finder is able to remain with that honesty yeah. um, and support people in need. Um, I think especially during 2020, because it was so rough. Mm. Um, I think from the perspective of, let's say, because so many people actually, or could have potentially lost their jobs, but I think even did during that period. Yeah. And also, um, you know, Finder just being a business that's so, mm. uh, or that has a great emphasis on, you know, comparing sort of, um, finance across multiple different spectrums. Yeah. Um, how how would you say, I think you're also in a unique position that you work at Finder, mm. but you're also quite young. Mm. So what would your advice be to, I guess, um, younger people like ourselves mm. in terms of how they could be saving up financially or like how they could be doing better from a financial literacy standpoint? Yeah, I'm not a financial expert and none of this is financial advice but I think um, 
you, I think you, the first thing to say is I'm, I'm on that journey as well. Um, and it's not simple. I think the first thing that I'd say is just, actually the only thing I'd say is you just need to take ownership. Um, it's, it's part of growing up. And really the, the only thing I, I'm not here to talk about budgeting tips or where to put your money. I think it's just purely, especially at our age, the faster we grow up and we take ownership of these things and we're less reliant on our parents to do things for us, the better off we'll be. And it's not about decreasing dependency on your family and getting rid of family or whatever that might insinuate, but this is actually purely just, in order for you to be more successful, you need to take ownership for yourself and and actually by association, by taking care of yourself, you take care of your family, your loved ones and whatever you need to do for the world. So that's the thing I'd say, yeah. yeah for sure, I think um, even last year, I always wanted to get into investing mm. and I never did until last year because yeah. everyone started getting into investing. So I was like, I'll get into investing. Let's go, let's go. And, yeah. <laughs> and the only Dogecoin to the moon. Yeah, that, uh, yeah. <laughs> this, the, is, this is not financial advice. <laughs> Please consult your personal financial advisor. Have red text yeah. at the bottom. Disclaimer. <laughs> yeah. Disclaimer. Discla disclaimer. Yeah. Um, yeah. I just I started getting into investing. Like I kind of researched a bit, but yeah. really the best way I learned was just by doing it. So I yeah. bought I bought shares, I, <laughs> I bought cryptocurrency yeah. and and now like I, I really look at money differently. Like I definitely look yeah. at it from an investment standpoint. Ooh. Like where can I put my money like I don't want to keep my money in the bank account. Yeah, I want to Kind of like what you said, diversifying a, a businesses at um, capital yeah, yeah, yeah. to assets. Yeah. Kind of same way I want to diversify oh, my absolutely. Yeah. capital to be assets. That's actually fascinating. Yeah, I've um, yeah, we are our own. Like every financial decision you make is about getting the best for your money. And so I think Warren Buffett is a big fan of, of course, compounding your money. Mm. He he was he was well renowned for being a big cost saver for himself because he knew that if on a yearly basis he made 20% on his money that compounds very quickly and so for us sorry 20% that compounds quickly for his businesses but we don't think about that in the same level for ourselves in that situation actually a dollar under Warren Buffett 10 years on that same dollar would actually be worth like 100 bucks and so in that situation it's like this could be worth a hundred bucks to me in the future. I'm, what am I doing? Mm. Right. That it's a fascinating thought process. Yeah. It kind of comes back to what Jenny does as well in terms of entrepreneurship. Like you don't learn this in school. You don't learn about investing or where to put your money. So true. Same with entrepreneurship. You don't mm. learn that in school. So really. Yeah. Those you have, skills, man, are like yeah. critical. You have to kind of just go out there and be self-motivated to find the information. Yeah, dude, let's talk about like 2020. I mean, that, that statement itself is, is so fascinating because it's so true. A generation of young people, our generation, first dipped our toes because we were just at home all day. Being yeah. like, I don't know what else to do. Got to get off YouTube and TikTok, so better, better do something productive. And so this is, I don't think there's been a time in history that so much activity came from this younger generation. And I flag it because it's so fascinating to think about once you start at this age, how does that fine tune your decision making in your life? And how does that compound? Making an investing decision, i.e. where to put your money is, 
you need to be structured with it and you need to have a core belief in what you're buying and what's going on. But that is also the same for any other decision that you make in your life. Going to university, your job, your partners, your friends, buying a house. I mean, these are all like key decisions for your life, man. And and and, and the earlier that young people get amongst it is the better off we're all going to be. I think that's that's a key takeaway for me just thinking about the last year or two. Exactly on that note i think um unfortunately we do have to close up shop for now mm. but on that um you said it, it attaches itself to all sorts of decisions um for before we end uh like what would be one key piece of advice that i think you uh would you just give to anyone that's listening that you know that has helped you in your journey any advice any sort of advice it's a hard one um yeah i think hmm. yeah i think something that's that's really interesting to me and i actually said this to some of the some of the guys on on the jenny team now um the faster we the faster young people think about and make a decision to grow up i think Staying in our state of mind at the moment is, and youthful naivety, I think is not, I don't think it's a good thing. I think the faster we grow up, the faster we're in control of our lives, and the more that we're able to perfect ourselves and then allow us to do good things for the world. And I think growing up is not just about getting rid of your youthful, pursuit of knowledge or beauty or whatever it might be that is not as time in life that should be just who we are as people i think growing up is about what are the things in your life that you want to accept and you choose to accept i I, i'm a big believer that the life that we have comes from decisions that we make and i think that's obviously just as a fact it's just when you say that statement it's like well duh obviously Um, but it's actually you realize that the relationships that you have might be toxic or the places that you want to be that you're not there yet these are all decisions that you make um, i i see very life simply like that and so i think the far the faster i i said this to some of the leadership team as well here there's the faster you grow up the faster you're more in control and the faster that you get to do more for yourself and then minimize regret for who you want to be and so i think that is that's what i've realized very recently as well and so i think that's key Thank you so much for that, Jack. And oh, yeah. I think that was a beautiful note to end on. And that concludes uh, episode three of our podcast. And so I think Babe and I would like to deeply thank you, Jack, for enlightening us on the wonders of technology and, you know, your experience and your personal journey along Jenny and at Finder. Um, so we're signing off now. Mm. I'm Edward. And I'm Babe. And this was, this was the, the Entrepreneurial, entrepreneurial Mindset. mindset. See you guys.